0: Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Löwenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to be brave with content marketing with Ahava Liebtag, the president and owner of Aha Media Group and a expert in content marketing. So with that short introduction, welcome to our podcast, Ahava.
1: Thank you uh, Thank you so much for having me here, Jacob. It's great to be here.
0: Definitely so good to have you with us and I'm really interested in pick your brain on content marketing and content development and trends here in this area and all your content you have in that for us. But before maybe we can just start out, you know if you could briefly tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. So I live in the United States, as you can probably tell from my very unrefined accent. And I work with a very talented group of writers, editors and content strategists. And we focus on creating content that empowers people to make the most important decisions of their lives. So we focus predominantly in healthcare, but a lot of our B2B work is within the health IT space. So we have a lot of experience on the B2B side of the IT health industry. And it's been really fascinating to watch that industry grow and evolve post-pandemic or in the pandemic. I don't even know where we are anymore. (laughs) And we are very, very well aware of the difference and challenges between selling to a consumer audience, selling to a business audience, and then selling to a subject matter expert audience. So they all require sort of a different... Nuance, touch feel to your content a different strategy and a different willingness to try new things uh to break through the clutter so that's who i am and that's what i do
0: so interesting and you started out the agency in 2005 as i understood it and that was a result of something or you know
1: yeah, it was actually. So I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and I had a friend who I worked with at the government. At that time I had a federal government job. And in the United States, if you get a federal government job, you never give it up. So I, um, but I was on maternity leave and she asked me to come in and she said to me, I just had a freelance writer walk out on a job and I really need the help. Can you please come and, and help me? And I said, well, what are you paying? And she told me and I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I went and I started working with her for her clients and it really sort of, you know, became, I remember sitting at that conference table for the first time and thinking to myself, this is really what I should be doing. Like I should be running these types of projects and writing this type of content. At the time, I was writing energy content for the government, which was actually very fascinating and a great training ground for learning how to take something complex and turn it into something that people could understand. But I I really found myself very drawn to the healthcare field. So that's then, so in 2005, I I didn't leave the government until 2007. I sort of balanced growing the business with uh, my federal government job. That was part-time. And then in 2007, I was brave enough to say, you know what? This, is, this federal government job isn't for me. I'm really going to have, I think, more growth running my own company. And then in 2011, I really started to grow the company. I became part of, there's an organization called the Entrepreneurs' Organization. And they have an accelerator program where they take companies that are at a quarter of a million dollars in revenue and they help push them over that million dollar line by helping teach them about process and how to manage your accounting, how to manage your strategy, how to manage your talent. And so I did that program for three and a half years. And that was really the critical piece in sort of putting AHA Media Group on the map as a business instead of a freelance writer who was, you know, sort of juggling a couple of other freelance writers and not really knowing what she was doing.
0: Oh, <laughs> awesome. Great story and uh, 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 interesting uh, beginning of, of a career that's still going strong. So that's great. And one of the things that you have continuously been working with and have a lot of thoughts around is, of course, content marketing since that's where you started and that's the expertise area your agency is working on. But uh, you also refer to content marketing uh, in the terms of being brave and having guts to do brave stuff with your content, can you elaborate a little bit on that? What What's your thoughts around that?
1: Sure. So, content is based content at its essence is a conversation with your audience. That's really what you're doing. So it depends on the type of content that you're creating, but. I don't think probably for the majority of your business, their customers come to their content to be entertained. You might create some entertaining content just because, you know, that fits in with your brand or, you know, April Fool's Day. I I don't know, you know, whatever. But most of the time people are coming to your content with questions that they need answered. And so... One of the things that we find is that very often, particularly in sales conversations, which is the majority of the conversations that take place in a B2B environment, people aren't clear, they're not authentic in their conversations because they think that in order to make a sale, you know, they have to sort of wind people up. And I don't know what that expression means in Europe, but in America, (laughs) it means just, you know, like confuse people or get people going. And so one of the things that I always talk about is that if you really want to make a good impression on your audience, just be clear and straight with them, because they are looking to answer a question. And it, the, the faster you can answer the question for them and the clearer you can make um, the answer, you're building trust with them immediately. And I think that it is brave to have authentic conversations and it is brave to say the truth, so to speak. But it results in better relationships with your audience. And I I, I think that it really depends on the strategy of your company. You know, I, I really don't like it when people
0: come out and say, this is a
1: best practice. Well, it may be a best practice for a certain niche, but it's not necessarily a best practice for everyone. So I think everyone has to experiment with their audience and understand what their audience needs and wants. But at the end of the day, in all the businesses that we've ever worked with, and we've worked with all kinds of businesses, what we have found is that When you write and create your content, if you're clear and you answer people's questions and you do it in a way that's understandable to them, that they can build a foundation of knowledge, you will have a much better result than if you write marketing jargon or you, you know, every conversation just ends in call a salesperson and you don't really think about what they're trying to accomplish on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, yeah, so true. So interesting and uh, to to really try to sew in on on the core needs and the problems of the clients rather than just trying to to drive yeah, sales. Yeah and so, I don't
1: think yeah Jacob I don't think I'm saying anything that your audience hasn't heard before. I think the question that they're probably asking themselves is okay well how do I do that? You know because either my boss tells me I can't or my executives want to want to change what I write or I'm always arguing that we do this and they don't, you know, they don't listen to me. And my answer to that is when you are trying to convince people, sometimes the most convincing information that you can give them is data. We used to talk about this in user experience all the time when we would build information architectures we would um, wanna label things very clearly and the executives would come in and say, no, 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 you have to call it what we call it. And we would say to them, but they don't call it that. They call it something else. We don't care. And so we would make them sit and watch user testing and they would watch people struggle to understand what these labels meant. And they would say, okay, maybe you should do it your way. So I think as much as possible, if you can collect search data, if you can collect social media data, you know, listen to your audiences on social media. If you can find examples of where users got confused or there was drop-off, if your sales teams are saying to you, listen, the collateral you're producing for us is not helping us get closer to closing a sale, I think that that can be very advantageous for you when you talk to executives mm. about what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, so, that's the one thing that I would say about that. The second thing is that I'm sure your audience is also thinking about what does it really mean to be brave outside of just being authentic? Because I think if somebody sees this title, they're probably gonna think, okay, she's gonna give me a lot of really great creative ideas for my content. And one of the things that I would say is that it's great to be creative, but if you don't have evergreen content that answers the questions that your customers have about your products, you're not really doing your job as a content marketer. A true content marketer understands how to build content that answers people's questions while also satisfying the needs of the business. So you can get as creative as you want. And I love that stuff. And I use it as best practices, cool examples all the time. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't move the needle for the business and it just gets people into the top of your funnel, but it doesn't push them down to making the sale, it might be creative and it might be fun and it might win you awards, but it's not gonna keep your job because at the end of the day, your job is about satisfying certain goals. Um, if your executives say to you, go win awards, go do something creative, go do something fun, and by all means, mm-hmm. do that. But um, I think it's important to remember if that foundational stuff has to be there. And then once that foundational stuff is there, you can build on making that more creative and more fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So interesting. So when, uh, when a client comes along and, and uh, you feel that they maybe don't, you know, have asked themselves all the questions, how do you, how do, you do that as an, uh, you know, agency? Do you ask the hard questions? Do you try to be brave in, in pushing your clients as well? Or where does that come into play, so to say, in your relationships, in, in assignments and so forth?
1: Yes. 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 So, so first of all, I'm lucky I'm the CEO. So I get to make a lot of those decisions. We have a set of values at AHA media group that we follow. We look at them on a daily basis. And one of them is be um, intentional with your words and your actions. So the first thing that we try to do is we try to date before we get married. So every time I do a pitch, because I'm responsible for new business at the company, Um, and, you know, to close the deal, I will say to people, they'll tell me what they're trying to accomplish. And I'll say, why don't we try a pilot together? And, you know, there's a minimum dollar engagement to work with us. And we would really love to work with you. Let's try something small, you know, 15, $20,000. I don't know what that translates to in Europe, but um, let's not, you know, get into bed with each other, quote unquote, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, because let's see how we work together. And let's see if, you know, you like our style, and we like your style, and we're able to communicate in a way that is beneficial to you and your audiences. So, and then luckily, usually these people turn into lifelong clients who, you know, we work with them all the time and they're always assigning us projects. But I think that, yeah, I I am pretty honest. And sometimes I'll say to people, you don't have the content maturity to be able to pull off what we would create for you. So we we can create a really beautiful document for you and, and either a great workflow or a great editorial toolkit that has personas and messaging and voice and tone, but you can't use it because you just don't have the right people right now in your organization to be able to pull this off. No one wants to hear that, you know, and, and obviously a lot of it is in the delivery, but at the end of the day, these projects, Require a tremendous amount of effort from my team. They have a lot of lift to them, and I don't want to take people's money if I can't affect change for them. So in that way, I'm very lucky because I'm a small boutique shop and I can make those decisions. I think it's a lot harder when you're a consultant in a very large organization that is really looking at the bottom line much more than they might be looking at how effective they can be on the ground, and and that is hard. But I am very honest with my clients and. If any of them were here right now, they would be happy to tell you that that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sometimes that. Sometimes yeah. to my detriment, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: awesome to hear, Ahava. And uh, I truly believe, uh, just like you, that that's the best long-term strategy, of course, to be very transparent and open and honest. And, and Well, they uh, trust
1: us. I just yeah. had a pitch where um, a woman said to me, I said to her, We can't, we're, we're not right for you. you. You need something different. Here's what I think you should go look for. And she said to me, I want you to know I'm going to come back to you one day because you were just really honest with me. And I really appreciate that. And I believe her because I've been in business for 16 years. And I know even now there are people that will come back to me and say, I had a conversation with you five years ago. And, you know, you were really honest about what we could and couldn't accomplish. And, you know, I want to work with you now because I, I really think you you have our best interest at heart. And, you know, there's nothing better than hearing that, but that's my own personal value system. And that's, what's important to me. It may not be important to you and it may not be important to your bosses at the place that you work. So, you know, that's gonna have to be a decision that you make. But for me, that, that's that been something that's important to me in my career, that I'd be honest and I, I don't set expectations to a place that, you know, we can't help people meet those goals.
0: Mm. No, exactly, awesome. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. So- for example, if we then um, hypothetically say that a client comes along and they say we want to do pilot, but you need to drive MQLs <laughs> or, you know, there's a results that needs to come out of this. What's your recommendations? What do you typically find as a good way to work together with a client if you want to have brave content at the same time, drive leads or, you know, Yeah. Make the CFO happy. So yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a kickoff where we have a very um, smart goals deck. And we go through what are your what are your smart goals. So we really try to understand from people, what are they trying to measure? What is the timing of this look like? When you dig into the question, sometimes what you find out is that the data at the end of the project is important, but sometimes making somebody else happy is important. And that's always challenging for our, for, so if we're working within a big corporation, like let's say a very large healthcare system. So there's a CFO, but that person is so far down from the chain of command to the CFO, that really the client that they're trying to serve is an internal stakeholder, like the head yeah. of neuroscience or the head of research. and. They're trying to figure out how to make that happen, and so for us, what's really important to us is to sort of probe at, you know, what are you really trying to accomplish here? What does success look like to you? And and one of the things I do say to clients a lot when I'm, you know, sort of talking to them for the first time is, in 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 a year from now, you know, when you look back at this engagement, what's the number one thing that you're going to have gotten out of it? And I think that that's a really important thing to ask people because what I would see as success and what you might see as success, Jacob, is not necessarily what they see as success. They may have different parameters for what they're looking to try to accomplish. And so that's kind of what we really try to do is dig in in that kickoff call to really understand what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that that's a helpful way to sort of set those those parameters and set those goals. The other thing that we I think is very important is to map what you've done before. So we'll often say, you know, when we first do a conversation with a prospective customer, what's your philosophy around content creation? Have you worked with content firms before? What have you liked? What have you not liked? And what I like about doing that is that it sort of gets me inside where they are in their heads about not only what they're trying to accomplish, but how they themselves define success. And I, for me, that's a really important way to make sure that we're taking on clients that we can help them achieve their goals.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's good. Really good and insightful. That's uh, interesting to hear. So if uh, if we talk a little bit about content trends, uh, you're working a lot with the uh, <clears throat> pharma and, and medical industry and and a lot of, medtech so to say as well and uh, where do you see the content demand is going what kind of things work today from from your perspective in regards of what is consumed by the readers or you know content consumers so to say in the in in the b2b space of medtech today
1: so Again, I think that this is one of these issues where it's really important to look at every single, you can look at industry trends, but I also think it's, it's important to look at standalone companies and what they're selling and what they're trying to do. So I think for most med tech companies right now, they're in top of the funnel content creation. They're trying to pull people down out of search. They're trying to get people's attention using various social media platforms. I think that they're looking to educate people about what their value proposition is and what they can offer them in the marketplace. And then I see them doing a lot of other types of content creation, trying to establish themselves as experts in the space, maybe doing podcasts, maybe doing videos, thinking about those types of, those types of, um, what I like to call decorative content or mid funnel content sort of to, to um, in um, sort of confirm that you're in the right place. And this is the company you want to work with.
0: Mm.
1: What I don't see enough of is companies spending enough time on the content after the purchase. What does it look like to be a client of ours? What, what's the help cl- content that we provide Um, You know, how do our salespeople or the people who originally sold them this uh, IT infrastructure helping them after they're trying to get to their goals? Sometimes we're selling software platforms that are, you know, sort of nuclear weapons and really this company didn't need something so big and so, you know, so powerful. So who's helping Mm -hmm. them learn how to use that software or that platform? <clears throat> excuse me, in a way that's really helping them get towards their goals and setting them up for success. Uh, we see a ton of work being done right now in CRM. So, you know, customer relationship management platforms like Salesforce, MailChimp. Um, and what we are noticing is that people don't have enough content to feed that beast. Mm-hmm. So they set themselves up for an extremely ambitious publishing schedule. And then all of a sudden they come to us and they're like, we can't, we can't write enough content. We don't have enough content to do this well. And I think that that's, you know, when, when you're making a purchasing decision and, or you're helping your clients, I think one of the things that can be very effective and very brave because you could potentially lose the sale. But I actually think that saying to a client, when we sell this, the clients that we see that are the most successful are the ones who prepare themselves by doing X I think you can really build great trust with your audience and it's also an opportunity for you to, you know, send them to somebody who can help them do that work. So Mm -hmm. I'm a really big believer in, in, um, thinking about how to set your clients up for success, no matter what you're selling them and just telling them, here are the risks, here are the rewards. Here's how we think we can support you.
0: Yeah. That's great. I, I totally agree that a lot of companies <laughs> might be way too ambitious in their content plans. And uh, instead of going quality, it becomes mile wide, inch deep, instead of, you know, being specific and, and uh, Correct. Focused. Exactly. So Correct. very, very interesting uh, uh, trend to, to see that you're discussing with your clients there. And so from from that perspective, What recommendations would you send with us as a marketing manager or practitioner within a marketing department who's running content or, you know, working in this space and trying to push things forward? What what do you want them to focus on for next year, so to say, to be in good shape?
1: Um, The number one thing that I would say is spend time with your audience in whatever way you can. So zoom in on their meetings. Um, you know, ask your sales teams to introduce yourselves to them, watch what they're talking about on LinkedIn, pick your top 10 customers, follow them on LinkedIn, Um, pick the 10 prospects that your sales team is looking at and follow them on LinkedIn. Uh, Watch the conversations that they're having, go to industry events, go to webinars, see the questions that are coming up at the end of these webinars. Any great marketer spends at least an hour a day with their audience in some way. Uh, one of the great things that I love about what I do is that as, a, as the primary person who does the closing uh, sales presentations, I get to ask a lot of questions. And actually, almost everything I said to you today is something that I gleaned in that sales conversation that I had in the last year. Um, One of the challenges that I think marketers face is that they are often working in silos away from the sales team. I think the really great companies today understand that those two divisions really have to be integrated. Uh, Sales kind of looks down on marketing, marketing kind of looks down on sales, no one's friends. And I think that when you get those people together, you see that they have the exact same Uh, goals that they're trying to work together. They're trying to build great relationships with their customers and they're trying to make money. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do or trying to live up to a set of values, you know, whatever that looks like for you. And so the number one thing that I would say is spend time with your prospects and spend time with your customers that exist already. And then the other thing that I would say is try to build relationships as a marketer with your sales team because nothing will serve your career better than doing that. Really, I, I firmly, firmly believe
0: that. Mm. Well, that's great recommendations. Uh, um, so good there, really nuggets to bring with us for our audience. So thank you so much for sharing those insights. Uh, last but not least, I know you have a bunch of content and uh, you have written a book called The Digital Crown and so forth. So for everybody who listened in, I want to know more about you, Ahava, or your agency or your content. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so ahamediagroup.com is where you can find us. And then um, I am on LinkedIn as Ahava Leap Tag, uh, L-E-I-B-T-A-G. Uh, I don't really go on Twitter that much. I think it's a dumpster fire. I'm sort of, every time I go on it, I feel depressed afterwards. So I've stopped going <laughs> on it. Just trying to protect my me- mental health. And then you can also find me at Ahava L., on Instagram, um, I hang out a lot on Instagram and love having conversations there. So happy, always happy to hear from people who listen to these podcasts and want to reach out and talk about them. I think, you know, sometimes I say things and I feel like they're going into a vacuum, and then like two years later, somebody says to me, "I listened to that podcast and you said X, and I totally disagree with you." And I'm <laughs> like, "Great, let's talk about that." I just have to remember that. <laughs> so, so I, I I love that kind of stuff, and I think that you know. excuse me people like me who have been doing this for a long time there's nothing that we like more than being approached by people in the field um I you know when people ask me what do you hire for when you're hiring people how do you know you're going to get good people and one of the things I say is that I always hire people who are curious because if they're not curious they're not going to enjoy this field and because you always have to be learning just everything's changing so quickly And so one of the things that I really um, love and admire about other professionals is when they want to learn from people who have been in the field for longer than them. So, or even shorter than them, whatever it is, but, you know, um, please do approach me, you know, in any way that you'd like. Uh, I'd love to talk about these issues. I think that they're important and they're close to everyone's hearts right now as they're trying to, you know, figure out what our post-pandemic world looks like. So happy to talk through any of these ideas.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ahava. And I wish you all the best with your agency and your future endeavors. So thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you.
1: This is really fun. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it was also fun to pretend I was in a different country for uh, 45 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities
1: at brightvision.com.